Awesome. We are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the All Things Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Nick Dorsey. Season number two, everybody. Thank you so much for all the great messages that you've sent me and just positive notes. You know, it's been so great about keeping it unscripted, keeping it unedited, and just keeping it raw. That's what we really love. And the guests have been giving me great feedback. So thank you so much for everything. Really excited to kick off season two. We have a special guest on here who's referred to me by a really good friend of mine from Impulse Consulting, who right now is having me work with them a little bit in the middle of my transition. Um, it's been great working with them. Uh, our next guest has been a client of theirs and used some of their uh, practices to help them out on their personal site and uh, their professional site. Uh, she's been a stand-up comedian. She helps out teams. She helps out job changers. She, she helps out leaders and rookies with their performance at work. And she is the founder of Performance at Work. Please welcome to the show, Bar Barbara Fulmer. Thank you, Barbara, for being on today. Thanks, Nick. I love being the first of the second season. In fact, I brought my party straw with awesome. the nuts just to celebrate today for you. Man, th this has been great. We were just talking in the, what I call our green room and man, just so much going on and so much you've done with your in your career, you know, yeah, yeah. stand up comedian to business owner to help job seekers out to help business leaders out to help rookies out. You know, it's just such a drastic difference, you know, going from one to the other. But what I love about it is I have a nap. I'm blessed with humor. And it, I, it works out so much in the, yeah. um, I feel it works out great at work, in the environment. If you get it in the right place and the right time with the right people, it really breaks the ice. It really helps everything out. So let, let's start off with how you got into comedy and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, well, great, great questions. I love that. And, and comedy works in any relationship when you get down to it, really. It always cuts through things. But when I was um, I was a consultant, I was developing training programs for companies. And one of my clients was a big name, you'd recognize National Comedy Club. And I'm writing a management program for them because they thought it would be great, just like you said, to fold in comedy into their management, their leadership messaging for their audiences. And they had corporate clients for their audiences. And I was writing it for them. And I thought, well, I always wanted to do that <laughs> because I did. I always really, you know, I'm a ham. I, when I was a little girl, I was putting on plays in the garage. And uh, my, my career really started in corporate training because I always liked to be the only one standing up in the room kind of thing. So. I asked the producer that was that I was working for at this comedy club who the best comedy teacher would be for me to go to if I wanted to learn stand-up comedy. And it happens, he's like 10 minutes from my house. And I'm in Newport Beach, California, and he happened to work out of his home in Huntington. He's an LA comedy producer, but he lived right here and had a garage set up that um, was like a nightclub. And I signed up for the Academy of Stand-Up Comedy, terrified. And um, it was a night, it was crazy. You wrote your own material. It started out with maybe 20 people. And by the time we graduated, which we had to go to a club that I actually live about a quarter of a mile from today, 
um, there were only seven of us left because it was scary. And, um, but it was so fun and what it did for me, I wanted to do it because in my world of work as a corporate trainer and leader, I wanted to have a greater presence in front of a group. And I want, if I had a group of, of 20 people that had to come, that had mandatory training, they had to be in the room with me all day. I wanted to make sure I could make it lighthearted, but in a way that worked for everybody that was appropriate. So anyway, I did that. I went on to the uh, advanced comedy writing classes where I had to go to an open mic every Sunday night and perform. But I had a full-time job. I was head of training for a division of United Healthcare at the time. And I had to get up early in the morning and then go, go to work. But it's helped me in everything I do since then, really. Did it's it help? Great. Did it help you gain like confidence standing up in front of people and speaking in front of people and everything? Or is it just terrifying when you first get up there? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it kind of went the other way for me because I'm actually, I actually have confidence standing up in, in front of people. But in a comedy club situation, there are such bright lights in your face. All I could ever see were the feet of the people in the front row at the cocktail tables or whatever bar, it was usually a bar of some kind. Um, and when I can't see, I can't hear. <laughs> That's when my, all my senses are connected. And when you can't hear things and you're being a, com a comedian and you can't hear them laugh, that's not a good thing because yeah. you think you're bombing. You think yeah. I, I continuously thought I was bombing. And then I'd get off stage and they'd be like, you killed it. I was like, you're kidding. <laughs> Who knew? But at the end of the day, it really helped me understand how to write material better, how to time comedy better throughout my material. And of course, it did help me with my confidence because I was in a different environment. I had to learn to live with those lights. And as a when I went on years later and became a speaker, um, a public speaker for many years working with speakers bureaus, those lights were real. And if yeah. I hadn't gone through the stand-up comedy situation, which was terrifying with all those lights, I wouldn't have been able to do uh, the other work. So yeah, it keeps, it keeps paying forward really in my career. That's awesome. So yeah. um, coming out of comedy, what, what was your next venture going into? Well, I, you know, my career has always kind of stayed on the path of performance development. However, I'm a big believer in Maya Angelou's phrase about when uh, you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. And I bring that to everything I do for my clients. So regardless of what world, where, what position they're in, in the world of work, if they're looking to change work, if they're an executive, or like you said, a rookie, a sales team, when you know better, you do better. It just takes someone else or something else to help you see that there's better that you yeah. can, you know, work toward. And having been head of training for Jenny Craig for um, and Nestle after they bought them and United and Toshiba, I wrote a lot of coaching programs and wrote a lot of programs that helped um, mentor people through difficult times in their career. So a lot of it has to do with just finding out what is the barrier? What's the barrier? What What is that thing in front of you, whether it's in your head or another person, a project, whatever, that is keeping you, your fear, your 
anxiety, what's that rooted in? And then uh, helping and, and along the way, having um, worked at Jenny Craig, I was writing training programs that went out to, uh, I think there were about 3000 people in the field, but they had to talk every day to women because it was a primarily female client base who were at that most painful moment of, of losing weight and having to, and they were vulnerable. So writing communication programs to help get information from a person about what's happening. I learned a lot of new tricks and skills and programs that I still apply like motivational interviewing, where you help someone find the confidence in their own competence just through the questions you ask. Prochaska's stages of change. I don't think I've ever worked with an individual whether they were a CEO or they were just starting out in their career that I didn't have to determine where they were along that continuum of change. Were they, you know, in pre-contemplation, contemplation, were they ready to act? So all those things can build up over time in a career. Absolutely, agreed. Yeah. I mean, this is great. Um, performance at work, uh, yeah. reading about it. I know you're the founder of Performance at Work. I mean, right. You kind of, I think through some of your answers you just talked about is probably told why you got into it, but what made you want to own your own business and have kind of that entrepreneurship and the sure. freedom to do what you need to do to help people out? Right. Um, I think the short answer is I've never made a very good employee. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I don't know what it is. I just, I've never really made a good employee. So I've always um, looked for things that I could develop myself in the way I wanted to just based. And now I learned a lot having worked for other people for sure and uh, benefit from that today. But just as an individual, I really like having my own, uh, my own time and creating my own thing. And, um, and I've done that in fact, along with performance at work, which which I think I'll always be doing. I'll be I'll be going, they'll be driving me to the cemetery and I will be coming up with new training programs or coaching programs because it's just, it happens up there. Mm -hmm. um, but I was lucky enough, this is kind of a, 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 it's a right turn in a good way from what I'm doing. So I continue to coach, but I partnered last year with a good friend of mine, Emil Wellman, who is a professional singer, move, uh, music writer and producer. And um, we combined our talents. We combined this whole performance development idea, his music stuff and sports. He was a professional rugby player. He's from South Africa. And we created Unlocked Athlete. And Unlocked Athlete is a program where we provide custom, individualized motivational soundtracks for professional athletes. So no matter what kind of sport they're, they're in, this just helps them. It, like, we always say we work from the neck up. So each week we do an assessment with one of our clients. Like we just recently were working with um, a player on the Houston Astros for months. And he was ha he was second guessing himself, but we do assessments every week. We ask, we rate him where he is in certain areas, confidence, anxiety, where's that anxiety, when's it showing up, whatever. 
And then we write the dialogue, the written word dialogue for a four to five minute soundtrack. Then Emil goes and works with his Grammy winning and Grammy nominated musicians. They write the music for it. And then we put it together and deliver that every week that's addressing the issues that that player has for that week. And it's just been phenomenal because we, we've heard such great results, seen great results from our players. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they come back to us and say, we're, you know, I'm, I'm so much more relaxed up and back now. I'm not second guessing myself. Love that. You know, or they're using their back to mechanics again, where they're they've gotten scattered and weren't thinking about the mechanics of the game. So it's a lot of fun, and it's you know it's not. We'll probably be doing it for sales teams eventually, and for non-athletic folks, but non-athletic teams or or um, athletes. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but anyway, it's no, fun. that that is absolutely awesome. Just one because. For me, I'm a big sports junkie, yeah. so meeting these people are just amazing. But, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes when people see athletes, they just think they're bigger in the world because the personas, when they're on TV, yeah. when they're playing, they, they are bigger than the average person in that degree. Yeah. And, and people always say, well, they have millions of dollars. They shouldn't have any problems in the world. They shouldn't have this. They're still human beings. I don't they're care what people see. And exactly. they still have everyday problems everybody has. Right. They still have right. emotional levels. They still have, right. like you said, anxiety levels. I mean, right. you know, bottom of the ninth, you're pitching. Game seven of the World Series, there's 60,000 people there. Seriously. You, you cannot tell me. There are very few people in this world that could stay calm and not even think about the situation. Just go out there and do it. Right. It's, it's very rare. You know, and those people are Hall of Famers. I mean, that's just how it is. Yes. Some of those people. Yes. So yes. And I they have, they're lucky enough to have team psychologists mm -hmm. who we work with to make sure the messaging is all appropriate. But they also have, like, they have uh, their batting coach and they have other coaches. And sometimes they're not in agreement with that. And how does that sit with them when they're out there, you know, going up to bat? And they're, well, uh, so it's a little, it's, um, it brings them. A more because they've got this music to play all week. They listen to it in the car on the way to the stadium. They listen to it at home. And here's the coolest thing. We actually pair it on when we send them the link for that motivational soundtrack for the week. We uh, we find out what their genre of music is. You know, what do you like what music do you listen to, Nick? I listen to rock music, you know, more okay. Led Zeppelin, you know, stuff yeah. in the seventies. Yeah. Like that, okay, so, so we would yeah. find that, we would learn that about you, and then we pair that motivational soundtrack that's custom with 10 songs in your genre. Mm -hmm. And in between each song, the voiceover that spoke that message comes on and says, you've got this, Nick. This is yours. That's and awesome. gives you, uh, so it's very personal, but it's mm -hmm. music you hear every day on the radio, but it's specific to you because it's your style. Yeah. You know, what, one thing I really like too at the beginning when you're explaining everything with your business partners, I played rugby. So oh. very few people I find play rugby. So it's, yes. it's really, especially in America. So it's really yes. cool to hear that. And, and yeah, go I ahead. used to make, well, with like when I played, because I played 
football, rugby, baseball, basketball, and all this stuff. But when I played football and rugby, you know, this is back in the '90s, so I was making my little mixtapes, yeah, my motivational ones myself, really? you know, with little tape players because that's what we had. I then, love you know? that. And, and getting it ready, and I would just sit in the corner, tell everybody to stay away from me, and right. I just concentrate Listen. on that music and just like. And I hate to say it, but you know, playing rugby and football, my thought was, I hate everybody. I'm going to kill the other person. It's my job to run them over, to destroy them. Then after yeah. the game, shaking their hands, hugging them, telling them great game. But it's, that was a mindset I needed to get into. Yes. I would have loved to have something like you had. Yes. Just, uh, I, uh, I wish we had been around for you. Because, but yeah. it sounds like you did it yourself. And yeah. our tagline is performance is a mindset. Yeah. It's Oh, it is so up here. Mm -hmm. And speaking of rugby, because I love this. It's a little brief story about Emil. Growing up in South Africa, he was on a rugby team like when he was seven and eight years old. That team stayed together until college because wow. they lost one game that entire time. So those young boys played until they went to uh, grade school or in the middle of grade school. Then when they moved to high school, a local, I'm not sure who, some local organization paid for them to all go to the same school so they could still play on the same team. Same thing happened when they went to college. Wow. So they played together until they turned professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's That's really, awesome. and lost one game that entire time. So he had so many coaches and had a lot of experiences, like you said, with the music, because music's in him, for sure. And um, yeah, it, hel it helps so much. And it's so fun when we develop these, uh, the motivational soundtracks. We work here in my office, or, or we walk around, or sometimes he'll walk around the neighborhood, because he's my neighbor. Oh, so that makes his, it easy. His house is two hours down. Yeah. And, he, I'll see him out there like working on something and I'm not sure what that is. And then he'll come back, he'll give it to me and then I'll shush it up and do some other thing. Maybe add some, um, uh, something to it. You never know what I'm going to add to it. And, or it can go the other way around where I write the basic and then he takes it and he mans it up, you know, cause you know, my whole thing is I write like a woman. So a lot of times when you're dealing in professional sports with men, it need you know yeah. you gotta take the emotional side out of it yeah. you're right to the point <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no i i think that's fantastic just because you know these athletes right now that you're dealing with i know they make millions but this is their livelihood and if they yes. do one wrong move they're done they are yes. done you know right. and I was doing this when I was in high school just trying to get to college so i was really concentrating on that because that was my next step wasn't sure. my livelihood yet, but I was, when you're 16, 17 year old kid, you think it's your livelihood because everybody's going to go pro, you know, so exactly. working on that. So, exactly. you know, when you get up the pressures of these people oh, that you deal with in their everyday life, it's like right. baseball players. They're on the road for nine months. They hardly see yes. their families. Yes. Football players, they get to see their families a little bit during the week, but during the season, your job is almost 24 seven. Right. You know, basketball, you're on the road all the time. Right. And then on top of that, just all the, um, just everything around them, just the bad energy, bad people, yeah. people trying to take you another direction, people trying to get your money, trying to get, 
you to invest in their businesses and everything. It's just, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I can only true. imagine it seems fun, but it's got to be old at some time for them too, because you're living in hotel rooms. Yeah, you're eating good food, right. but it's not home cooked meals. It's no. always going on. And I'm not trying to feel bad. I know some people are going to be like, oh, but I'm like, no, no, no. Still a person. There's still yeah. a human being. Exactly. Throw COVID into that. Yeah. And oh, we've got basketball out of it crazy. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because yeah. those, the people didn't get to see their families till the two teams who made the finals. Yeah. That was it on that. So, yeah. you know, all that time in that bubble, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but right. reading about how they did it yes. would just be insane. And Yes. And to like, keep your I mind in the game the whole time, to keep with all the mental distractions of living in that kind of an environment to really keep your head in the game is as part of why we did this. And especially during COVID, um, the job I just um, left, I was traveling during COVID. And I'm telling you what, there were some times I was on planes with like 20 people. Yeah. And then yeah. other times I was on planes where they were completely packed. Right. You just didn't know what to do. You yeah. know, I just go in, I'd always get a window seat. I just sit in the corner, kind of just be there to turn on a movie and just right. like, okay, let's get this over with. Because right. no matter how you feel about everything that's going on in the world right now, if you totally believe it, if you think it's conspiracy, wherever you're at on it, it's there's still something in your head thinking about it. Like, okay, sure. I'm on a plane now. Now they say planes are safe, but are they really, you know, your right. mind just thinking about this stuff circling around. I'm closer to everybody in here than I'm supposed to be. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's a whole bunch of weird that. things, you know, and yeah, you know, these basketball got fortunate because they made it kind of smart to where everybody stay in one place, but you can't do that for football. You can't do that no. for baseball. No. Just the amount of people and amount of teams, you're looking at thousands and thousands of people. Right. You know, right. Uh, yeah. Basketball is more fortunate where they can, you know, it's a smaller amount of people, you know, and they only need one or two gyms. Right. You know, you yeah, know. Yeah. so just interesting. I mean, God, I would love to really be a fly on the wall every once in a while just to hear your conversation. I know these are confidential, with them, but oh, just yeah. to hear it because it just, it really intrigues sure. me because I'm not saying I lived that life, but playing a lot of sports growing up and every weekend it was camps or tournaments, yeah. you know, parents constantly taking us everywhere. Yeah. We really didn't go on vacations or anything because sports ran our family. Sure, you know, and that I, happens in a lot of families. Yeah, I, I know mean, how my parents were, but how do some of these wives and children feel? I mean, it's cool your dad is this person, but you don't, you don't get, get that. Feel off for eight yeah. months out of the year, nine months yeah, out of the yeah. year. You know, True. it's just interesting. Right, right. They're gone so much. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm with you all the way, and and part of the whole. Um, program too because like you said all these things are coming at them and so many you know so frequently these messages from everyone um one of our programs is a con more of a concierge program where emil uh, is available for texts anytime mm -hmm. so these players take us up on that more than not because mm -hmm. this is an unbiased friend mm -hmm. <laughs> phone friend you know what I mean? Who understands, who's an athlete, who gets it. And they really talk things out and get down to the core of things and help keep their head in the game. So it's, you know, 
it, it's wonderful. I'm just so grateful. Speaking of all things grat gratitude, I'm just so grateful we found each other in this world we live in and mm -hmm. found this outlet for both of our talents to come together so nicely. You know, and I think the biggest thing, I, I could be wrong here and please tell me, but I think dealing with the athletes, I think a lot of their biggest issues to is social media. That could be such a drag because there are trolls and there are people, no matter how good you are, all they want to do is take them down, take and, them down, take in. Right. And I'm sure there's people out there being paid to say this stuff to try to get it in their heads sure. because they're playing them in the next day or two, right. you know, right. and right. And I'm sure that is drag because, like, I do not like Facebook. I got off Facebook like a year and a half ago, and I tell everybody it was probably the best thing I ever did because the yeah. drama almost all went away, you know. And I wasn't even trying to be part of it. It was just because you saw it every day in your feed, yeah. You know? yeah. And, yeah. and I can only imagine newspaper clippings come out. This this reporter says this, and then then it goes on to Twitter, then it goes on to here, and it just gets goes in a totally different direction. And, you right, know, and, and their spouse sees it, and the other people see, yeah, and it, yeah. And it has a lot to do with the culture of the team and the management of the team and the coaches on the team and how insulated and protected the, they create, uh, the, the kind of environment they create for their team where they rely on each other and they have more of a camaraderie there so that one voice out here isn't going to take them down it's out there and they'll hear it and they're getting it but mm -hmm. some have don't have that insulation and everything just bounces you know if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything mm -hmm. so if they don't have that core of believe in themselves and belief in you know that that's not right what i'm hearing you know there. And that's got to be a tough time now, too, in this world, because social injustice and everything that's going on in the media is being yeah. set out. Right. There is no way there is 100 percent of teams that 100 percent of people agree on every single subject. So you can be having that go in the locker room. And man, I could just, like I said, I'd love to be a fly in the wall in some of these, not just to yeah, take the story, but just to hear how you deal with them yeah. and how they take in your opinions and what they yeah. say back, you know, that's yeah. just, yeah. oh, it's amazing what you guys do. It's I'm deep. so intrigued. Now. It is <laughs> deep. Yeah, it's deep. It is. <laughs> that. It's deep. Yeah, that, that is awesome, man. And, you know, you're picking on right. something that yeah. is yeah. is a big deal and it can really help because you brought up sports psychology earlier. You yeah. Know, it's, yeah. And it's like this in the business world. I really say the more successful you get, the higher up the chain you go. I think it's huge right. for those people to have like, either you can call them counselors or whatever, or big time yeah. mentors, people they just call to invent to because right. work gets stressful. I don't care how much you love your job. Right. It gets stressful and you can't go home. You can't go yeah. home and talk about it at home because your family doesn't truly understand exactly what's going on at your company or who you work with or people you deal with. They only hear the stories, but that doesn't say the whole, that doesn't say everything. So it's really good to have a mentor. Honestly, yeah. Nick, if there was anything I would encourage anyone in the world at work to do is to find that career mentor who's there for you, that you can talk to, that you that knows more than you do in mm -hmm. some ways about um, 
situations and your world that you're working or whatever. I've had the same career mentor for over, I was trying to think today, not giving away numbers, but I mean, I believe that she and I, she became my mentor in the late eighties. Oh, wow. Nice. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I do work for her Mm -hmm. and she does work for me. And yet she's my mentor and friend, but, um, it's really, really important. And here's a, this is a, do we have time for a quick little? Oh, we can go as long as you want. <laughs> so is that, sun, you know, my blood, the sun just came. No, you're, you're looking good. See, it's beaming right? in on you because it's enjoying Hello, what you say, Barbara. It's loving the show. So I, I said I don't make a good employee. So I go in and out of working for people and not. And uh, for the most part, I, I'd say, 70% of my career, I've been on my own. So I'm kind of a survivor and a scrapper. When when things are down, I can always figure out how to get them back up again. And years ago, in the 80s, I had uh, left a job and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was part of a women's group where we'd meet once a month and we had this psychic woman that would come to a lunch that we would throw and we'd drink a lot of wine and we'd eat lunch and she'd read our cards or whatever we did. And she'd teach us different forms of, of um, like psychometry. If I held something of yours, like your watch or a ring, I could read, I'd learn how to read you and feel, get, you know, just intuitively get in your head. I actually, when I couldn't find a real job, my girlfriend said, why don't you just read tarot cards for a living? Because you're so good at it. And I'd found a deck of tarot cards that weren't scary looking. They were, you know, they had picture, four color photographs of children with balloons and the space shuttle and all kinds of stuff. And I said, well, where, how do I do that? And she said, why don't you call the Oaks in Ojai, which is a spa. And this is a lesson to anybody that is sitting there thinking about how do I find my next job? What do I do? I was in my PJs. I picked up the phone. I called the Oaks in Ojai and said, I understand that you hire psychics for your guests. Because it was a big spa and they would have psychics coming. And she said, yes, are you a psychic? I said, yes, I am. I never said that before. And she said, we're sorry we can't help you. But our sister spa in Palm Springs is looking for a psychic and a speaker. Are you also a speaker? I'd never spoken since I was a child in my garage. I was like, sure, I'm a speaker. So she said, here's the number, call them, do that. I ended up having a gig for two years as Madame Barbara. I was an adult as Madame Barbara going from one health spa to the next. Every night I was at a different one, big, fancy health spas with like 90 guests for dinner in their dining room. I'd have to be the after dinner entertainment. So I had to learn how to speak in front of a group. And then they gave me a private room to read tarot cards for cash for the next, you know, the next day. So I'd have a sign up sheet for like 10 hours of private readings. I'd go home, I'd go to sleep and I'd drive to the next spa the next day. I was coming off of that when Jan, my mentor was looking for a corporate trainer for their company. I'd never trained. I didn't know anything from anything. She had an open enrollment and I showed up for it. And there were probably 50 people there. 
and they started through the room introducing themselves. I'm, you know, so-and-so, I'm the head of training for Hogue Hospital, or I'm so-and-so, I'm head of training for this technology company. And I thought, I am so dead here because I got nothing. And um, it, it got to me and I stood up and I said, I'm Barbara Fulmer. And before I could say anything, a lady on the other side of the room jumps out of her chair and says, you're Madame Barbara. You ran my cards. And I was like, sit down. <laughs> Shut up. Honestly, just totally blew it for me. I was trying to go legit. And this woman, I read her cards. So people kind of laughed and sat down and I sat down. I don't know what I said. I got the job. Out of those 50 people who were so experienced, I got the job because, and later they told me why I got the job, because they were doing mandatory outplacement training. So these employees would come into uh, a training room for eight hours and they would have just lost their job and had to sit there. And my job was to help them find their place in the world of work after this job. So they're emotional, they're upset. They have to be there, they can't not be there. So they needed someone who could hold their attention and get it done. So if you're looking for a job that you even feel you don't have the skills for, but if you've got the ability to, to do, to learn, to be trained, to, you know, be more than you think you are today, go for it. Just Absolutely. don't let anybody keep you back from that. If somebody gives you the opportunity, figure out, figure it out. Figure, it, figure out. it out. Absolutely. That happened to me a little bit to a degree. Yes. So when I got my management role, I was never really in management or anything. And they just gave me the opportunity to go, well, you have the personality, right. you have the smarts of the job. Let's yeah. see how this works. But I was very fortunate. I was mentored through it in a, yes. in a way that at first I went into meet, don't talk in meetings, just sit in meetings, observe how everybody is mm. take notes. So I did that. Then little projects would come my way and I would be partial responsible for them. Then I'd be three quarters responsible. Then I'd be sure. fully responsible. Then, you know, it, it took about a year, but it was probably the best thing for me. And it was just like, yes. was I kind of getting a little impatient? Cause I just wanted to go. Yes. But looking back on it, it was the best thing ever. And, yeah. and you were coachable. You were trainable. Yeah. Well, I wanted to learn. And because yeah. right. here's my thing, Barbara is I don't, and people are going to disagree with me and that's fine. But people say money's not everything. I'm like, BS, you have to pay your bills. Yeah. Um, and the more money you make, if you know how to use it correctly, let me put yes. it that way, if you know how to use it correctly yes. and you get all your bills and you get out of debt, guess what? Your stress level goes way down. And it's, it's unbelievable does. what that does to you when you can hit that. Right. You know, because people don't realize money is one of the biggest stressors in their life. Yeah. And if yeah. they can get that figured out and you can take that level of stress off, that changes. Right. So my philosophy when I go to work is let me get up as high in the chain as I can and make as much money as I can. Why yes. not? You're, why because not? Right. I can pack that money for retirement. I can possibly retire earlier. I can enjoy my golden years, you know, yes. as I said, you know. Yes. And and enjoy it with my wife and my family and my kids, you know, my grandkids. Right. So, 
and you bring up a good point that it, about how the importance of money that it isn't everything but it's important and it falls into the whole maslow's hierarchy of needs mm -hmm. if you don't have as a human being your food shelter and clothing taken care of or your and you have safety if you're if those lower levels of maslow's hierarchy of human needs aren't taken care of you can't think straight you can't make decisions you're not going to do well with others you can't you know it, it's just so much goes wrong or is not available to you because you're so fixated on getting your safety back in place and these human needs so Absolutely. that's why money is an important factor because it represents financial security and security you, you touched on it earlier and i want to give out some free advice everybody like you said find a mentor that is very yeah. important i have two professional mentors and then i have my personal life mentor which is my father which that dude has been through God, amazing i mean he's been in wars he's yeah. been you know obviously yeah. military he's been a first responder so i mean he, he's been there seen some crazy things worked a highly stressed job so he was great to talk about about how to get through those stresses and how not to bring it home. And I hate to say he brought some home when we we're growing up, so we saw it. So that was a learning experience then. Right. Yeah. Sure. And then yeah. I've had two mentors now for a little over ten years, both of them. And good. You know, we we can still talk and text and do whatever, and we still check on each other, see how yeah. our jobs are going, and. And the great thing about them is, Barbara, I had one of them once, uh, his name's Jeff. He just called me out hardcore once. He didn't yeah. care. And I was like, huh. <laughs> you know, and I was like, what? Right. Why are you doing that to me? You're my buddy. You know? And then we didn't realize, but what he was doing was absolutely correct. Yeah. You know, and I just, I'm thankful he did that because it changed a lot of things and it was really good. So, and you that's know. That's the role of a mentor. And that's the, the whole, I, I, even my mentor that I've had for 170 years, when I was in <laughs> one job that I loved, I was perfectly happy. I was head of training for a company and I thought, wow, this is big, I'm good. I'd been there two, three years maybe. She called me and said, Toshiba is hiring. They need a national sales training director. That's you, go get that job. And I was like, no. I'm not going to go. I'm happy here. She was like, you get in your car, you get on the phone, you call them, you get in your car, you go over there, you interview for that job. I was like, I so did not want to do that because I, I had reached a level of comfort in the job I was in and I liked it. And I thought, well, I kind of felt I owed it to her to do that. So I went over and I interviewed. I loved the guy I interviewed with. And um, he reminded me years later, I actually hit him during the interview. Yep. <laughs> like, get out of here. Yeah, uh, not in the face, right? I mean, like, I, yeah. Um, I finished the interview and I thought, well, that would be fun. And that, I could do that, it's scary. It was much bigger than what I was doing. And I went back to work and on the next Monday, it was like over a 4th of July weekend. That next Monday, I'm sitting there and HR pulled up to our building. We lived, in, we worked in a different building. They laid off my entire department, except me. My boss was gone. All the people in my training department were gone. And I'm sitting there thinking, 
that job at Toshiba's looking pretty good. Right Absolutely. Now. I got to make a phone call. So I went and got that. Thank God they hadn't hired anybody yet. But um, the mentors do that. They call you when you when they see something, keep you in their mind. You know, when opportunities come up, they think, hmm, Nick, this is good for Nick. Nick needs to know about this, you know, and that's that's just the beautiful thing of it. I would love to work with both of them again, but they live where I don't want to be. So that kind of really sucks. But, yeah. um, but, yeah. but it's just cool having that possibility because if something really happens bad and everything, we yeah. know they're going to be there for you and Absolutely. help you as much as they and can. And they know you. They have your history. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to say hi to a couple of people really quick who are on here. I know this is a common connection of us, uh, our friend Jordan. So I'd like to say hi to Jordan. Hi, Thanks Jordan. Thanks for stopping by. Um, I don't know if you know my buddy Curtis Tompkins. Curtis. Hi, He's Curtis. A, he has a company called Job Ready Today. He writes resumes for job seekers and he does an amazing job and he's actually oh, written mine and yeah. very professional and he's and he does a fantastic job. So, so that. That. my friend Paula Goodman from uh, friends. But I have never met. Oh, Paula is a poet out of uh, Canada. Yeah. Outstanding. I, I say uh, connect with her daily. Motivational uh, posts and everything are just fantastic. Her writings are great. So, and then I have a friend of mine, Ira Bowman, who owns Bowman yeah, Digital yeah. Media. He's on here. He actually, straight plug for him, did all the graphics for the show. So, thank you, Ira. Um, he's a good friend of mine. Ira lives in California. He's down there. And uh, I happened to meet him and have lunch with him. So, that was really cool. To, uh, in he lives in, oh God, I'm going to butcher this. Sorry, by Riverside, right? Okay. Yes, um, that, that area. I met him down right outside of Pasadena when I uh, met him. I was driving down from Washington. He's a long way to meet you. <laughs> what? No, I drove down from Washington because I was moving to Arizona. So, no, um, he, yeah, he lives um, Empire, what's that? Inland Empire. Empire. Yeah, Inland Empire. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's his region. So okay, yeah. So yeah. he's Yeah. So um, so it was really cool to be able to meet some people off of LinkedIn I've met, you know, sure. and, and in person. So um, so uh, really quick, I know um, I'm doing some work for Impulse Consulting, and I know yes. you are a, a client of theirs, and yeah. they've helped you on your personal and professional pages and everything. Just tell the little stuff, what they've done for you and helped you with and everything. Yeah. Some of the services they help you well, with. Well, you know, working with uh, Impulse Consulting um, made a lot of sense for us, especially with, I reached out when we formed Unlocked Athlete because I had only been on LinkedIn as an individual before. Mm -hmm. I hadn't had a company presence on there. And I needed my, um, at that time, I wanted to focus on uh, Unlocked Athlete on my personal page as well. And I turned to them to really look at, you know, our social media presence because we had our branding done as far as our logo and our look and our, we knew who we were, but they helped us with the, the verbiage for our sites. They helped really build our corporate site on LinkedIn, um, but also for my personal site, just how to, how to tell a story in the about section as opposed to list all of your accomplishments. And even just in the description, up in the header, rather than VP of whatever, it's 
I help people doing what, you know, to do what. So that that was very valuable. He also, their team was very good uh, with technology, which I think I am, but not really. Uh, sometimes not so much. So they helped a lot with putting links on there to our website and getting all of that done. And, um, and also, they've been really good at once we got to know each other and once we they understood our unique selling proposition, um, they've been really good at talking to athletes and yeah. other people that are that are possible prospects for us. So I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that from them. Yeah, that's, it, it's a lot of fun um, learning about the possibilities that we have going on within Pulse Consulting and yeah. uh, some of the roads we're going to be leading down here soon. So, you know, I mean, we really appreciate you being a client and everything you've done and the kind words. And, you know, Barbara, this was a lot of fun. I mean, we learned about each other a little bit beforehand, but man, learned out so much more from reading tarot cards to being a comedian to all the athletes like sports psychology that you deal with and yeah. how you integrate music and um, inspirational little quotes in, in the middle of all this stuff and how you guys just build all this stuff for these multi-million dollar athletes who right. everybody thinks they're just unbreakable they and you cannot get to them but like we talked about they're human beings too. They have emotional levels that they're just like us. They just make a lot of money <laughs> and they're, they're really good at something. Like you're really good at what you do. They're really good at playing basketball or baseball or football, you know? So, I mean, they're no different than anybody else when it comes to, they have, how, how would I say this? They have perfected, um, what they yep. do. Um, perfection's a hard word because that's impossible. They have a but specific skill set. They're skill they're really good at their skill set. Right. You know, right. so I mean that's just you know that that's just awesome. You can help them out and connect with yeah. them. Yeah. And, and just and just work with them. And then your business partners, a rugby player, that just I just love that to death. And you know, it's just you have a lot of great things going on. And yeah. I'm just I'm very I'm blessed. excited to hear about the future and where you go from this. And it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks. Thank Nick. you for being on today. And please let people know where they can find you, Barbara, where you can help people out. Sure. You bet. I mean, uh, my email, you can reach me at Barbara at unlockedathlete.com or um, you can DM me through LinkedIn. Link, you know, link with me, connect with me. And we'll take it from there. Awesome. And let well, me know that you saw this when you when you send your message with it, so I know that mm -hmm. it's connected. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Please do. Please connect with Barbara. Um, you know, especially if we got any athletes out there, please connect yeah. with her. Yeah, um, I don't care what sport. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked about a a little earlier i think i know somebody when you go more in the women's side of sports that could possibly help you out so we'll yeah. talk about that connection down the road and she lives close to you too so that's even better she's down in california also too yeah. so that's great um hey everybody thanks for stopping by today it's our first one of the season i know more will get out there we'll repost this later tonight so then um we'll tag a bunch of fun people on it but everybody if you look up in the corner there uh i think it's 
that way. There it is. Please follow me on LinkedIn. Please follow your host. Come find us on YouTube. And then, you know, we have our own page too for the podcast. Oh, that's not the, there it is. That one's better. <laughs> so um, the gift, but um, yeah, come find us. Thank you very much. We'll post this later. Barbara, thank you for being on. Have thank a fantastic you. day. And um, just, season. Oh, thank you so much. And I mean, I'm looking forward to speaking to you speaking more to you in the future because oh my goodness i'm just you have me just i can go another couple hours <laughs> so all right with the cocktails. yeah all absolutely right. with the cocktails just fine we can do that we can have a happy hour on this so okay. sounds good awesome well everybody thank you for uh checking in the show today um tomorrow tomorrow at noon mountain time or arizona time whatever you want to call it because we don't have daylight savings here really good friend of mine randy mcneely will be on he he's just awesome uh please don't miss it he's gonna he's gonna bring it tomorrow he, he's got gratitude he's got everything empathy he's got everything you want so uh tomorrow noon mountain time arizona time please check in uh, barbara thank you again Thanks, have a great Nick. night and we'll see you guys tomorrow talk to y'all later bye